Amen. Well, are you enjoying your fast? Okay, a couple people, a couple people. I knew it wasn't going to be everybody because it's not really supposed to be that enjoyable, right? It's, that's the point of fasting. If you're enjoying your fast, you ain't doing it right. It's kind of a trick question. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm enjoying my fast because, I, because it's like James, we talked about last week, it's like James said, you rejoice because you know what it's doing. You rejoice because you know what it's accomplishing. Uh, we've only got one week left. And if you're here and you're like, what are you talking about because you haven't been here? Well, at the beginning of every year as a church, we do 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we are in the last week of that. And so I want to talk to you this morning about kind of the way that I think you ought to be handling, the way we ought to be handling the last week of our fast. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what I do and what I think would give the the most results and the longest lasting results from your fast. Um, And it's going to depend on what you've done in this last week. So in this, in the first couple weeks, what should be happening is you, you know, the the flesh should be put, being put under, the flesh should be suffering a little bit, right? Not just because we're not just fasting food, we're fasting a lot of things. Um, You should be laying aside some of those weights and things that distract you and really seeking the Lord. That should have already been happening in the first couple weeks. If that hasn't happened, you're a little bit behind the eight ball. Last week of the fast, what usually starts to happen if you've been doing the first couple weeks right, there begins to be a clarity that starts to come. And you begin to see things a little bit clearer as you've laid aside a lot of distractions and different things and, and you've been seeking the Lord every day. There should begin to become a, a clarity and a sensitivity to the Spirit, even to the voice of God. Now, I'm not talking about hearing God with your audible ear. I've never heard God with my ear. But out of my spirit, I can begin to perceive and sense what God is doing, what God is saying, what God is wanting. I can begin to perceive what grieves God in my life. I can begin to perceive when I'm doing something that's displeasing to God, I can, be, I can sense it. Whereas before, maybe I was just cold to it and indifferent and it didn't make, I didn't think nothing about it. When I begin to fast and I get close to God, I can begin to sense what he is expressing in my spirit. That's how God communicates spirit to spirit. That's the advantage of being a New Testament believer where you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So I want to talk to you about what I want you to get out of the last week of your fast. And basically, um, what I want us to do for this last week is to begin to set our priorities for the, for the year. And the, in other words, to begin to really ask God, what is it that you want in my life for 2023 Give me those couple, two, three things that I need to make my priority, and I'm going to focus on that all year. Because you know what? You can't do everything. Like, if, if, you're, if your life is in shambles right now, guess what? It's probably not going to be fixed by the end of 2023. But you could take a few things and move them in the right direction, and that, and that make a really big difference. So one of the things I expect to happen in my fast every year is that I'm going to come away with a few priorities that I know God is wanting to do either in me my family, the church, for that year. Now, some of you, this is normal. You're like, yeah, we've been doing this every year. I got it. Some of you are like, wait a minute. You're expecting God to talk to you? And my response to always always to that is, you're not expecting God to talk to you? Have you read your Bible? We serve a talking God. Old Testament, 
New Testament, book of Revelation, God's always talking. God's always speaking to his people. Yeah, he's always talking. But sometimes we're so fleshy, we're so carnal that we can't hear it. It's like one of those old uh, AM, FM radios, you know, that you used to have to dial in. You remember that? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm young, but I'm not that young. I still had some of that. Um, maybe in my parents' car, not mine, but AM, FM radio, you know, you start to dial it and you're like, all right, that's getting a little bit clearer. And you dial and you go, oh, wait, I went too far. Go back just a little bit. And you're like, all right, now I can, now I can hear it. Listen, hearing from God's almost exactly like that. The broadcast is there. The broadcast is clear. It's not a question if God is talking. God is talking. He's broadcasting. The question is, can you dial it in and tune it in to where you can hear clearly what he's saying? And so many people, they go, I don't hear God. I don't hear God. You don't realize what you just said. You don't realize what you just said. When you say, oh, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. Yeah, I'm not trying to be rude. You're out of tune. You're out of tune spiritually. That's why we fast. It can happen to anybody. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. You start yielding to the flesh enough, you will get out of tune. Where you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling what I used to feel. I'm in worship. I can tell everybody else is feeling something. I'm not feeling anything. Well, he goes, is there something wrong with me? Maybe. <laughs> Could be. Could be. That's why we need a tune-up every now and then. We need a tune-up. And that's what fasting helps us do. And I always say, of course, what you put into it is what you're going to get out. But I'm expecting this year to get some priorities for my year. Now, let me set this up a little bit, okay? I'm, I meet with a lot of people as a pastor. It's one of the things I do. I end up meeting with a lot of people. And so I see consistencies and I see patterns. A lot of times people think their situation is very unique or, well, this is, you know, very special to me. And it's just not. There, there are patterns and you begin to see uh, Patterns in people's marriages, families, prayer life, uh, areas of sin. You begin to see the same issues over and over and over again. There are just like patterns to it. So <clears throat> it seems like a lot of people that I meet with, they find themselves in a, situ a bad situation. And I hear this over and over again, this, a phrase or a phrase like it where they say, I don't know how I got here. It's a phrase I hear a lot. Or something similar to that. And, and what they're trying to express is, I, I, I know what I wanted to happen in my life. I know what I wanted to happen in my marriage. I know what I wanted to happen in my kids. I know what I wanted to happen in my relationship with God. But somehow, I'm not getting that. And so, the, and so I know I took a path to get here. But I, it's almost like I just woke up one day and these were the things that were happening. And so I hear this a lot. They go, I don't know how I got here. And so one of the things that I have to do uh, as a pastor is to try to help people weave through that and go, well, let's look at how you actually got here. And can I just tell you, most people don't actually want to know how they got here. Most people, they don't want it to be them. They don't want it to be their choices, their habits. They don't want it to be their lifestyle. They don't want it to be something that they that they did. But most of the time, it can be tracked back to choices that we've made. Now, please understand, if you've been here for a long time, you know this. This is not a let me bash you over the head sermon and beat you with a log because this is all of us. We're all in this boat. And I always like to look forward, not backwards. You can't go back and change the past. 
You go, man, you're making me feel really bad about choices I've made. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about choices you've made. I'm trying to make you understand the choices you make going forward are very important. Okay, you can't go back and change the past, but you sure can change the future. And if you don't learn from the past and you don't have a hard face-to-face conversation about how I got here, why things are the way that are, well, you're just going to repeat it going forward. So, no, you have to have that very difficult conversation sometimes. So it's not always clear why there are problems in my marriage. It's not always clear why maybe I'm not close to my kids. It's not always clear why I'm not close to the Lord. Or there's an apathy in my heart towards the things of God. It's almost like at some point people feel like they've lost control and they're going off the rails on a crazy train. You know, remember that song? Going off the rails. Y'all not going to make me sing again this morning, are y'all? It's not one of my gifts, you know. But anyway, going off the rails on a crazy train. Yeah, because sometimes you feel like you've lost control and you're just, you're experiencing results. You're experiencing negative consequences. You're like, I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how I got here. What is going on? And maybe it's not that bad in your life. Maybe it's just, well, there there are a few things and they're just kind of blah. You know, they're not what I want. We're not going off the rails on a crazy train, but... We're not also really reaching that potential or getting those things that I thought were possible in this area of my life. And, and listen, at some point, this revelation begins to sink in in people's minds as we look at these things in our life. At some point, this revelation begins to sink in that wanting something and achieving something are two totally different things. And I know... Most everybody I talk to has the right wants and the right desires. They all want a good marriage. No one set out to destroy their marriage. They all want a good marriage. They all want good, godly children. They all want to be close to God. They all want their life to have purpose and meaning. So everybody has the right want to, the right desires. I rarely meet anybody that that their want to in life is just, you know, that's a very, very small percentage. Most people want the right things, and and what I've noticed is we mistake wanting the right things for doing the right things. Let me just say, wanting the right things is the easy part. Wanting wanting to do good, wanting to be a good husband, good wife, wanting to, to make a difference in the kingdom of God, that's easy. But actually achieving that in your life is a massive amount of work and investment and sacrifice. And that is where we have the disconnect. It's not as hard as people think, but it is a lot of work. Um, you know, we all have things we want. It's not the same thing as achieving them. And also this revelation, knowing your priorities is not the same thing as executing your priorities. And this is the one I really want to hammer in on because every person in here knows what their priorities ought to be. Look, I could call any random person up here this morning and ask you, what are the most important priorities in your life? Every single, like most everyone in here, number one, God, family, church, okay? Then somewhere down the list, they're going to say job, you know, I don't know what, exactly what order, but the top three, norm, or at least top two, God, then family. 
But listen, knowing your priorities and having those priorities even in the correct order in your heart is not the same thing as having them in the correct order in your actual life. And I know a lot of people that would say God is first, family is second. But if we actually took an inventory of your life and followed you around for the next three weeks, we would find out those things are actually much lower down the list in reality. Okay, again, this is not a bash you over the head. But if we're going to actually make any progress, we've got to realize that happens a lot. There are people's stated priorities. That's what's in your heart. Okay, that's like your beliefs about what ought to be first. Then there's your actual priorities, and that is not based on beliefs at all. That's based on facts. So there are stated priorities. I think these things should be first. Then there are the facts of your life that show us what your true priorities are. And what I want to get to for this last week of the fast is where we actually align those two things. Where, yeah, my stated priorities are God family, you know, my kids, my church, things like that. And then we begin to align that in your real life because a lot of us have. We feel like we went off on that crazy train going off the rails and we know these should be our priorities, but in reality, our lives don't look anything like that. And it can happen to anybody. Life has a way of just, it's like a monster. It just has a way of taking over. And before you know it, things are sucking your time, sucking your energy, and you're, you're, you're depleted, and before you know it, things is like a snowball, and it's just going. You're like, I don't know how to get back control of this thing. And I talk to a lot of people like that. So number one, we need to distinguish between what your stated priorities are and what your actual priorities are. Because I have no doubt that every person in this room wants their life to be lived off of a certain set of priorities. But in many cases... Those are not the actual priorities that are happening. Let me give you an example from Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. We're going to look at just a, a small section of the life of Peter. Matthew 26, 30, it says, And when they had, this is right, uh, right before Jesus is crucified. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. What is that? That's a fact. He's stating a fact. He says, you will all fall away because of me this night. He knows the beginning from the end, so he knows this is a fact. This is going to happen. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now Peter speaks up. Peter says, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. What is that? That's an intention. That's what he wanted to happen. That's what was in his heart. That was who he wanted to be. But it wasn't a fact of what was going to happen, and it wasn't a fact of who he actually was. He thought it's who he was. He thought it is who he was. But he didn't actually have full knowledge and full understanding. So you see, sometimes our intentions and our desires, they're really good. I, I believe Peter had every intention of fulfilling this. He looked at Jesus. He, he said, listen, he said, though they all fall away. Because of you, he said, I'll never fall away. Jesus said, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. What is that? It's great intentions. 
They wanted to do right. They wanted to be who God called them to be. They wanted to be strong. They wanted to serve the Lord. But in reality, every one of them fell away. Why does this happen? I think there's a lot of reasons. I think one reason is we, we don't always understand the actual work and sacrifice that is involved with what we're saying. And at that time, the information Peter had, he said, I'm willing to do this. I'll even die. But when he actually got put in the moment, he didn't have the character and he didn't have the strength to do it. And so he failed. But what I want, <clears throat> so what I'm trying to show you this morning is that there can be a very large disconnect between what you want to be in your life. The, again, the kind of spouse, marriage you want to have, the type of Christian you want to be versus Versus who you actually are in those areas. And, and what I have noticed is that a lot of times people view themselves through what they want to be. I want to be like this. And I've actually done this with many people I work with. One of the things that we do sometimes is we actually take inventory. We will, we will write out plans of what you're going to do, who you're going to be, the type of things you're going to do. And almost exclusively when we do that... And then we begin to do check marks. Did you do this today? Did you do this today? Did you do this today? And almost exclusively after about two weeks, two weeks, those lists have to be revised because people realize I can't do what I thought I could do. I thought I could pray this much, read this much, go to church this much, serve this much. I thought I could do. And then I realize that's actually not where I'm at. So I had an overestimation of where I was at and what I could do. And sometimes we need a reality check. And that's what Peter got on the night of Jesus' crucifixion. He thought he was here. I'll never deny you. I'll die. Another, another uh, gospel says, I'll go to prison if I have to. He doesn't care. He said, I'll die, go to prison. Even if they all fall away, I'm not like them. I'm better than they are. That's really what's being said. I'm further advanced than they are. They can all fall away. I'll never leave you. On the night of Jesus' crucifixion, he got a reality check about who he really was and where his strength really was. And sometimes... We need that. Hey, fasting has a way of doing that. Fasting has a way of going, hey, this is, you didn't realize your flesh was out, of this, was out of control like this. It has a way of waking us up. So, we have good intentions. We have, we have the right heart. But sometimes that doesn't match reality. So what I want us to do this year in the last week of the fast, is I want us to rearrange our actual priorities in our life going forward for the year 2023. Here's what it's going to take if you're going to rearrange priorities in your life. And let me, let me say this. It's best if you can hear God on this. In other words, in, the, in this fast, that's, that is the point, is to be, <clears throat> to be able to get to the place, <coughs> excuse me, where you can actually hear God. Like we were talking about at the beginning. You can, you can begin to be sensitive. And, and sen we could say this. If it's not hear God, then at least sense, sense. Get a sense of what God wants in your life. But even without God speaking to you directly, I, I think that every person in this room can figure out what areas in their life need to be realigned to match their, their beliefs and their priorities that they have in their heart. There are some of you that if you don't focus on your marriage for 2023, you may not have a marriage by the end of 2023. 
There are some of you that have children that are in a very, very small window of being able to be reached. And if they're not reached and they don't go out, all out for the Lord and they're not invested to in this year, you may lose them for a period of time. I've seen this happen over and over again, going all the way back to when I was a youth pastor. It was so sad. I would watch this happen where you could see a child was in a, a, a window of time where they were open and sensitive to the Lord. And their parents and the ones around them that were called to care for them or love them were too distracted with other things to even notice that was happening in their life. And I could see it because I'd seen it happen in so many youth. I'm like, it, this is a window that's going to close. And when that window closes, that child is going to be hard in their heart and they're going to be dull to the things of God. You may never get them back for that or they may go off for a decade before you ever get them back and no telling what's going to happen in that decade. But as parents, if they're not a true and actual priority in your life, you're going to miss that window. There are those of you that you have a call of God on your life. There are specific things he's wanting to do in your life. And this year, 2023, could be the year that you step in to some of those things, but not if you don't make it a priority. Not if it doesn't become a, a, a priority in your life. So it's best if you can hear God. But I, what I want to get across to you this morning is there are, for all of us, there are specific things that God wants you to focus on for this year. Again, you can't do everything. But there are a few things that God would say, this is a top priority for you this year. And you've got to get still. That's the point of the fast. You've got to get still. You've got to get alone with God to find out what that is. Okay, so if we're going to rearrange priorities, I'm just going to give you three simple things that have to happen. Number one, brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. Brutal, brutal honesty. How many of you know truth can be brutal? Oh my gosh, truth can be brutal. Truth is so insensitive. It is so unkind. Now the person delivering it can be kind and sensitive, but truth itself, man, if, if you just get truth with like no one softening it or no one sort of trying to articulate it and present it kindly, it's like a punch in the nose. Truth is rough. But sometimes that's what it takes to wake us up. So you got to get brutally honest. What is the true condition? What is the true condition of your relationship with God, of your marriage, of your kid, on and on? You go through these things that are priorities. What is the, the true condition? What is the reality of what will happen if this area doesn't change? Now, this is, this is hard, but you'll be so glad if you do it. I want you to take time to think through years down the road. Take time to think through what will happen if I do not change in this area. And I want you to imagine it. Okay, if it's your, if it's your marriage that's on a path to divorce, I want you to take time to imagine having those conversations with your children when you have to explain to them why mommy and daddy are separating. I want you to imagine the tears rolling down their face. I want you to imagine how that's going to affect their future. Why? Because you've got to be brutally honest if you're going to change in these areas. I'm going to tell you, I've done this. There are things in my life that I have thought through. You go down this path, this is where this is going to lead. Look, to be honest with you, 
Sometimes I imagine y'all. I think about my church. I think about people that, that call this church their home, that, that have found God here. Yeah, because my decisions affect that. My life affects that. If I, if I choose to quit tomorrow, that could have big consequences for people. So I think through that, and I go, well, if, you, if you're feeling, I'm just being vulnerable with you. If I go, well, if you're feeling burnout or you're feeling like you need rest, you better do what you need to do because there's a lot of people depending on you. And so you better get it right because here's going to be the consequences if you don't fix this or take care of this. So that's the same with you. It's the same with everyone. So brutal honesty. You, you, you want to know how you can really hear some brutal honesty? Find the right person in your life that can deliver it to you. Sometimes that could be your spouse. Sometimes it could be your kids. Sometimes it could be a close friend. But sometimes we need to hear truth and we need to be brutally honest, coming face to face with the truth. And that can be very, very painful. Now, here's what I've noticed about, as I told you before, I meet with a lot of people. Here's another pattern that I see. Okay, I'm just going to give you an example. Someone's in my office, and they have wrecked everything through their choices, right? They're, 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 they're on the brink of divorce. Their kids are mad at them. Everything in their life is in turmoil. Maybe they're divorced, or they're about to be divorced, and everything in their life is in shambles. And you start helping them see why and how this happened. They don't want to talk about it. Do not want to talk about it. We want to skip that part. I'm just telling you, this is a pattern. And so people will tolerate it a minute. Let's go, well, well how did we get here? Okay, let's, let's go back and look at where this began. How did this happen? You know, what choices were made? What led to this? And I hear this a lot. I, see, I can see it building up in people. I can see the frustration building up. People start to twitch in their chair a little bit, you know, and they're getting aggravated. And eventually, again, something similar to this phrase will come out. Well, yeah, I already know. Yeah, I already know how I messed up, but, but what's the solution? So people want to move very quickly past an understanding and reality of what happened. They go, well, yeah, but what's the solution? What do I need to do for How do I get my marriage back? How do I get back on track? How do I get my life? Listen, you can't skip the first part. That's right. You can't skip the first part. Do you know what the Bible calls it? Repentance. You can't skip the repenting phase. And let me tell you this, this happens in marriage too. People don't want to hear how they've offended or hurt their spouse. They just want to know, oh, I did that. Well, look, just forgive me and let's move on. Sometimes you can't move on until we have fully laid everything out on the table. And, and think about this. Are you really repenting if you don't know what you're repenting for? I mean, if, if someone doesn't explain when you did this, this is how it hurt me. This is what it did. This is the collateral damage that it caused. This was going on behind the scenes. You didn't even know anything about that this affected me and others and your family and your kids. If no one explains that and you don't have that, what are you really repenting for? You're not actually repenting because you, you don't have an awareness of what you did. So true repentance requires coming face to face with the truth and, and spending time there and understanding how this happened and how I got here and how we're going to move forward. It can be very painful, and so people don't like it, which is why we have a psychological term for it called denial. 
You know what denial is? This is the psychological definition of denial. Denial is the conscious refusal to perceive that painful facts exist. Then comes the next step, which is rationalization, which is substituting a safer and more tolerable explanation in place of the real facts. Well, this isn't why that happened. This happened because of this. Oh, they're not really doing that. No, maybe think about your kids. Oh, well, they're probably not really doing this. Probably just this. You're in denial, and you're replacing the real facts with a set of made-up facts to make yourself feel better. Why? Because coming to face-to-face with the truth is very painful. And if, and if someone starts explaining to you, this is how you hurt me, this is how I feel, this is how you betrayed me, this is the path we're on, this is the direction we're going, that hurts. And it's so much easier to go, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, but, but can't we just move on? Or well, you should just forgive me. I want to, I want to, but we have to go through this first. If there, otherwise, the healing won't be real healing. So... In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, I want to show you this because, because Paul went through this. 2 Corinthians 7, 8. He's writing to the Corinthians in his first letter. In his first letter, they had to kick somebody out of the church because of sexual immorality. And it was, as, it, as you can imagine, it was harsh, it was painful. Uh, and and he, he corrected the Corinthians saying... You know, you weren't handling this. You didn't do this right. What is You're tolerating this. What is wrong with you? You're not being good leaders. You know, he's, he's telling them a lot of things that hurt their feelings. Now, in his second letter, he's writing and he's addressing that issue again. And this is what he says, verse 8. He says, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Now, think about that. He says, I, I said something that hurt your feelings, and I know it hurt your feelings. I know it grieved you. He said, but I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I don't regret saying it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. So he's saying, I'm human, and when I saw you were mad at me, because nobody likes people being mad at them, I saw you were mad at me, I saw you were offended, I saw it hurt your feelings, and so it grieved me. He said, but then I thought about it, and it didn't grieve me anymore, because I started thinking about that it was actually helping you. So he said... I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I saw that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice. Not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief only produces death. So here's what he says. He said, I felt bad because I made you feel bad, but then I realized in your feeling bad, you actually ended up repented and that, repenting and that saved your life. So that's why I say rearranging your priorities sometimes requires brutal, brutal honesty. Nobody wants to hear you are selfish. Nobody wants to hear you're a loud mouth. That's hard. Nobody wants to hear you speak when you should listen. No one wants to hear those things. And listen, I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying this, so don't get mad at me, all right? I'm not, I have nobody in mind except myself. I, I just focus on myself. But no one wants to hear that. But how many know there are some hard truths that we have to face sometimes if we're going to change? 
No one wants to hear, you put work ahead of our family. We feel like we are a lesser priority than your job. No one wants to hear that. That's painful. No one wants to hear from their child, I feel like you don't even know me. Because you spend so much time doing other things. That I don't even feel like you know who I am. As a youth pastor, I used to hear that one a lot. My parents don't even know who I am. They don't know me. They don't know my personality. They don't know what I like. They don't know what I dislike. They don't know when I'm hurting. They don't know when I'm sad. Why? Because they're too tied up in other things in their life. These are just a few examples. But there are many hard facts that we have to come to terms with and face. Again, it's very painful. But it produces great and tremendous fruit down the road. So sometimes we have to go through the pain to get to the fruit that's on the other side. And please listen. If you choose not to do this, if you, if you go, this is too painful, it's too much work, I don't care enough, whatever, please, please understand the pain down the road that you're going to eventually encounter is a thousand times worse than the pain you would go through just changing now. And, and I, I wish I could get this through people's head. You know, well, and, and, and many are sitting here and they're just going to go, that's another sermon, and they're going to go out and they're not going to make a, a change or whatever. And, they, and it's, but they don't take it serious. But listen, the pain you're going to encounter down the road, when you encounter it, when you encounter it, the thing I will hear over and over and over and over again is, I wish to God I had that to do over again because I would do this over again. I would change this. It would have been so simple. All I had to do was make this little tweak. All I had to do was make this a priority and I wouldn't have to be going through this. I know, but when you had that chance, you didn't do it and now it's gone and you'll never get it again because those chances don't come around again. Once it's gone, it's gone. So the little bit of pain that it takes to face the truth and make changes, I promise you, it's so much easier than facing the consequences of the pain down the road. So we got to go through that now we got to get brutally honest. That's number one. we got to face, face the facts, face the music, and be willing to deal with it. It's not an easy process. It's not a quick process. That's why I recommend you do it during the fast in a time where you're setting other things aside. You're not distracted. You can spend time doing it. Number two, once you're brutally honest and you realize what needs to change, it will require sacrifice in order to execute it. And it's just by the nature of what it is. You can't rearrange a priority in your life. In other words, you can't take something that's third and make it first without the thing that was in first now suffering. It's, it's an exchange. You can't just go, well, I'm going to put God first this year. Well, if you're going to put God first, something else is going to be demoted. And something else is going to suffer. And whatever that thing is, is going to get mad. <laughs> it's just the nature of what it is. So it's, all, it's always going to require sacrifice. So, something's going to suffer, and there's just no other way. There's no other way by nature of what it is. To rearrange prior, priorities, it automatically means that you're going to reduce something else. Something else that was getting time, attention, money, and those things usually do not go quietly. It, it's just, it's, it's hard. For example, last year, at the beginning of the fast, during the fast, and 
I, I, the Lord began to, you know, speak to me on some things in my own life that I needed to do this with. And one of the things that, that I did last year that I needed to do was to rearrange my schedule. My, my, the schedule that I'd had, which I'm a very scheduled person. I, I love my schedule. <laughs> I hold tight to my schedule. It's, I kind of live by I'm not like one of the people that did just fly by the seat of your pants. Like I, everything is very scheduled. And I had to rearrange that. And I was used to doing the schedule that I had for the last decade. I've been doing it for 10 years since we started the church. And at the beginning of the year, the Lord began to ask me to do some things that required me to rearrange my schedule. And it was painful. And it wasn't easy. It was painful on a personal level. But then it was painful because by nature of rearranging my schedule, it affected other people. So now other people that are used to having me available at a certain time, I'm not available anymore at that time. Or people that need me for this, I'm not available for that. So, and then there are things that got put off and it just, there's a whole consequence of choices by what? Rearranging priorities. The reason I rearranged my schedule is because I was rearranging priorities about what was important to God in my life. In doing so, there's a whole domino effect of people and things that that affected down, down, the, uh, down the line. And that's going to be part of it. But you have to ask yourself, are you, are you serving God or are you serving people? Are you serving God or are you serving self? Are you okay to make a few people mad or upset or they don't understand? Are you okay with being misunderstood if it means you're pleasing God? Is it okay? Is it, is it okay with you if some people don't understand what you're doing or why you're making the choice or a few feathers get ruffled? Well, if I'm obeying God, then yeah, that's going to be okay with me. Lastly, if you're going to rearrange your priorities this year, it's going to take ongoing inspection and maintenance because anything set in motion has to be maintained. If not... You make some changes, and they last for about three weeks, and nothing, nothing sticks. This is why I encouraged you when we started the fast to take notes, journal about what God shows you. I, again, last year when I did this, I had a journal full because every single, almost every day of the fast, I keep a journal of what, what the Lord's showing me, what I'm getting out of it. And there are, I can't tell you, pro- probably every couple weeks throughout the whole year. So probably 20 plus times throughout the year, I will go back and reread it. This is the work involved in keeping first things first. I will go back and reread it and I would go, this is my priority. This is what the Lord showed me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to be spending my time. Because that's, if you don't do that, that's how you get on the crazy train that's going off the rails. That's how you get on the hamster wheel. That's how you just fall back into those old ruts and those old patterns. And that's going to be the tendency. There's a pull to just pull you back into those old ruts, old ways of doing things. And the older you are, the, the more that pull is. And so you've got to go back and you've got to ongoing. You have to do maintenance and routine upkeep and go, wait a minute. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. These are my priorities. I'm not getting off track. This is what the Lord asked me to do. And you go back and you reread and you, you look at what you wrote and you keep those priorities right. It takes ongoing inspection and maintenance. If you've ever seen one of these TV shows on, uh, on the TV where 
like there's this failing business or restaurant and one of these professionals come in and they're like, okay, your business is in shambles. You've done everything wrong. You're not doing anything right. And this person is like an expert. So they come in and in like two days, they've rearranged the whole thing. They've remodeled. They've got processes and procedures. They've trained staff. They've moved everything around. They've cleaned up stuff. They've done all of this stuff. And in like two days, there's a total overhaul in the business or the restaurant or whatever. And everyone's happy and people are crying. And it's like, I never thought this was possible. And everyone's happy. And there's like all this beautiful music playing. And you know, you're watching and you're getting chill bumps. And you're like, wow, this is great. And it makes great TV. It makes wonderful TV, but if you look at the reality, here's the reality. There was a reason why this business was in the shape that it was in, and those reasons are still there, and those reasons are going to take that business or that restaurant exactly back to where it was before the expert came in and changed everything unless there's ongoing inspection and maintenance and changes that are made in those people's lives. And I, I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't like do any study on this. I don't know the statistics of it, but I'd love to know how many of those businesses go right back to where they were before. Because you can't come in in two days and just turn everything around and fix everything. You can, you can come in and do that, but then those same people are leading. So unless you change them, and unless there's ongoing maintenance and, and inspection and checking, things are going to go right back to the way that they are. So look. Praise God for the fast. It's 21 days of fasting and prayer. Hopefully you've made some changes. Hopefully by the end of the fast you've made some changes. But without ongoing inspection and maintenance throughout the year, things are just going to slowly default back to the way that they were. So in this last week of the fast, what I encourage you to do is to take time and rearrange your priorities. Okay, Get brutally honest. Plan for sacrifice, and then make a plan for ongoing maintenance and inspection throughout the year. And if you do that, you're going to see some of these things, some of these things stick. Just remember, there are a lot of people counting on you, a lot of people that need this in your life, the kingdom, your family. I love this quote, and I'll close with this. I love this quote I've, I've said many times in different sermons, but it just always sticks out to me. It says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. And it's, it's so true. And that's what you're doing now is you're deciding how you're going to live. You're deciding the habits and the choices you're going to make, and that will determine your future. You don't determine your future as, oh, I want to be this, I want to do that. Yeah, that's those intentions we were talking about. But you'll never achieve them, and you'll never execute it unless you put the habits and the disciplines in place to ensure that it happens. Amen. 